continuing today our series in Philippians. Uh, in your bulletin, at this point in the service, you'll see just an outline. Uh, in case maybe you've missed a week or you just kind of want to get that overview, something I want to point out is how central the gospel has been throughout Philippians so far. Every message just about has had as its key point something about the gospel. From where he started, telling the Philippians, your partners with me in this, to describing how his imprisonment actually made the gospel advance as opposed to hurting it. Going into his own personal, like when I make my decisions, Paul says, it's about honoring Christ. Living a life worthy of the gospel. And then how do you do that? Part of it is taking responsibility for your spiritual life, even when things are hard. So all the way through, there's this theme of the gospel, and you're going to see it more today. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, please open our minds and our hearts. Allow the distractions and things that would keep us from hearing your word uh, to be muted, to be put away. Uh, Lord, the struggles we may be going through or just even our tiredness. Lord, help us in these moments to focus upon you, to be open to your spirit, and to be changed to be more like Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. How many of you got to see some fireworks last weekend? Like three? Wow. We're very patriotic in here, aren't we? Like even like on TV or something. I mean, we saw there were fireworks everywhere. Um, in, in the uh, Capitol, there were some fireworks going on. And if you happen to be in the Capitol watching the fireworks... And for some reason, and there were people that were doing this, for some reason you were also watching that same fireworks display on PBS, you would have noticed a significant difference between the two. You'd be sitting there looking out maybe your window and you're watching and you're seeing things and then you glance over your TV and they're showing fireworks in the Capitol also, but it doesn't look like the fireworks that you are seeing. Here are a few tweets that came out during this. Blessed to see the fireworks from my apartment window and watch PBS, though the fireworks out my window don't look like PBS. I knew public broadcasting was powerful. Until tonight, I didn't know it could clear cloudy skies and scaffolding from buildings. And this little thing got all over the place. It was on all these newscasts and the fact that they were showing fireworks. It was a compilation of fireworks from previous years because it was so cloudy over the Capitol that it just, CNN actually showed what PBS was doing and then showed the actual fireworks. And like, it's going up into clouds and just, it's kind of red. You can't even see all the colors. So PBS just showed a compilation of other. And somebody wrote, only in DC could a PBS show become a scandal. <laughs> You know, as I read this story, and as I was thinking about this message, I think at times, I feel like that is the Christian life. Let me explain what I mean. So every Sunday morning, 
most Sunday mornings, many of you are here, you're hearing a message about, you know, God wants us to live like this, he wants us to believe these things, he wants us to go down this path. If I'm preaching, I've spent the week studying this, trying to figure out what is it that God's calling us to, and yet my life looks more like those cloudy skies than that really clear, beautiful thing that they were showing on TV. I I want it to be that. In fact, often when I'm here, I'm kind of encouraged, and, and like, Trey will play some great song, and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I can serve the Lord. I'm going to go out there and do all these great things. But then I get into my life, and, and I just don't live up to that. It's cloudy and murky, and, and, I, and I wonder, and I'm going to share this and be honest with you, does this Christian life really actually work? And that's what I feel like sometimes, because my life just doesn't seem to live up to what it is we're learning and preaching and studying and reading. My life I may show you the, the false footage. You may look at me and go, okay, he's really serving the Lord. I mean, I even have people occasionally tell me, you know, will you pray for me because I know you're closer to God than I am. I'm not. I mean, maybe I'm a little bit taller, but that's probably not true either because I'm not very tall. But like that, that's this attitude. I just don't feel like I'm really able to live this out. Here's my message this morning. We are to be encouraged that this life is actually possible. That what Paul is going to show this morning are two people, real people, not characters, not just reading in a book, real people who are living out this Christian faith, who are doing it. Not not to say their lives are perfect, but they are doing some of what I sometimes go, gosh, is this actually even possible? Is this real? I I don't want you to raise your hand, but maybe you relate to this. I feel like I stumble in my faith far more often than I succeed. If that is you, my hope today is to encourage you. That this life, while it's not going to be perfect, is possible. Open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. It's going to get extra personal now for Paul. He has talked about his life. He has given them an exhortation. I want you to live a certain way. And now it's just personal. Now it's like really getting into somebody else's mail is what the rest of this looks like. Verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I may too be cheered by news of you. Paul wants to hear from them. Paul's sending this letter to them, but he wants to hear like, how is it going? Are you listening? Are you, are you serving well? I want to hear news of you, and I'm going to send Timothy to you soon. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Our focal point in the moment is going to be those two verses. Verse 22, but you know Timothy's proven worth, 
How as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. And there's that gospel theme again. You know that Timothy is real. It's authentic. He has a proven track record of really serving. Keep going. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. Remember, Paul's in this weird position right now where he's not sure what his future is. He doesn't know if he's going to live or die. He's confident that he's going to make it out of this because he thinks that's, that's best for the church. But he's in this position. He's not sure. And he's got all these people that we know of from the first chapter who are actually against him. For whatever reason, he's wanting Timothy to hang around for a little while. Maybe it's until the trial's over. Maybe it's until he can deal with some of the pastoral issues that are happening as people are turning on him. Whatever it is, he wants him to hang around for a while. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. And there's that confidence that he has. He thinks this is going to go the right way. I want to know about you guys, and I'm going to send Timothy to you soon. Now, let me tell you a little about Timothy. I said he was a real person. This is not just a, a, a fiction character. This isn't a Sunday school uh, drawing. This, this is a real guy. Paul meets Timothy during his second missionary journey. When he meets him, he hears about him first. Timothy has such a great reputation among the believers that Paul actually hears something of his reputation. He's a young man who is serving the Lord. Uh, he's got a Greek father and a Jewish mother, so a mixed family. And one of the first things that happens, and this gives you an idea, when Paul says he has a proven character, one of the first things that happens, Timothy wants to go on this mission trip with Paul, and Paul wants him to be circumcised. That's a painful process for adult men to go through, especially 2,000 years ago. But Paul doesn't want anything to stand in the way of the gospel as he goes among the Jews and he knows of Timothy's Jewish background. And so he wants him to get circumcised. And Timothy does it. Timothy proves himself so much that Paul actually sends him, as his own emissary, to multiple churches. Like, I want you to go check on these churches for me. When Paul is planting churches, at one point he leaves Timothy behind to do church planting work. Probably the reference to Timothy in Hebrews is this Timothy. He even went to prison and was released at some point, probably for his faith. This is, a, this is a guy who really believes and who's trying to live this thing out. I want you to look at what Paul says about him. Verse 20, for I have no one like him, which seems really harsh. I mean, just think about that. I, I just want to, as an example for a moment, okay, I just want you to hear what this might be like, all right? Here, Andy, come up here for just a second. Okay, I want you to remember right now that sitting in this room, uh, Trey is here, Nancy is here, uh, net group leaders, uh, prayer leaders, uh, people who have been serving the Lord longer than I've been alive. I mean, th this is a room full of people dedicated to the Lord. Could you imagine if I got up in front of you and said, I have no one like Andy. Just him. And then I kept going. You ready? Who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, Trey. 
not those of Jesus Christ. Do you imagine how uncomfortable that would be? Those are Paul's words. What is he getting at? Thanks. How, how do you say that? Like, what? All right. So, back in the beginning of chapter 2, remember what he said to them? Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So Timothy is doing what Paul encouraged them to do. But what does that mean? He's genuinely concerned for you. All these others, about themselves, not about the things of Jesus. I'm going to speculate for a moment because I don't have Paul here to talk to. Here's what I think he means. I'm going to ask you, um, and I should probably, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to ask you this. I want you to raise your hand if you serve the Lord without mixed motives. Whew. Okay. Just making sure. I mean, if somebody does that, I'd love to hear from you. That'd be great. I, I, I think what he's referring to here is that. I don't think he means like nobody who's with him cares about the Philippians except for Timothy. Not a single person there. I think he's highlighting something about Timothy. That at a base foundational level, Timothy's primary concern is Jesus, not himself. Whereas over here, the rest of them, the ones who are against me and maybe even the ones who are for me, their interests are very mixed. Their interests are, for example, I want to go on this mission trip, and I want to do it because I'm going to serve people, and I'm going to serve the Lord, and because it'll make me look spiritual, and because I feel guilty because I haven't served enough, and somebody said something to me, and I saw somebody else going, and if they're going to go, maybe I should be going too, and all of a sudden, the motives start becoming switched a little bit. As you think about how you make your decisions, especially your spiritual decisions, how mixed are your motives? What are the things you're looking for? Where is it that pride, arrogance, conceit, or even when you deal with your own self-esteem issues, that these things start playing into, I'm going to make this decision because of those things. And yet, here is Timothy. And again, here's my point today. I think, I believe in the Lord, we can actually do better. I believe in the Lord that you and I are not on a helpless path where it's always just going to be not good. We're always going to have just as mixed of motives as we do today it's always going to be like that. Here is Paul holding up somebody and saying, a real live person who genuinely is seeking after Christ. What would that look like? What would it be like to think of your decisions and go, all right, I'm going to make this decision because of this, but oh wait, 
I can feel these other things in the back of my mind. I can feel these other emotions. I'm gonna make this decision because it's gonna make me look this way. I'm gonna make this decision because I'm kind of mad at what these people did. And so if I do this, brothers and sisters, in Christ, our motives can be more pure. They can be more Christ-honoring. I went to something this week that I know everybody loves. I got called for jury duty. I know how much everybody loves jury duty. Um, I have an advantage over all of you because to get out, it's not too hard. I just wear my collar when I go in. <laughs> you know, when you walk in and they go, oh, you're gone. You're just, I didn't want to talk to you. You're out. <laughs> all right, I didn't actually do it, but I thought about it. So I go into jury duty, and they pull us in this big room, and there's 182 of us that are in this room, which apparently, according to the clerk, was actually low. Um, They'll go upwards of 300 at times, so 182 of us in this room. And as we're going through this morning, everybody, the clerk, the judge, the guard, they all recognize that most of us don't want to be here that we're only kind of taking this seriously. Um, They're doing the same thing. They're playing with us. They're cracking jokes. Um, You get this sheet in Denton County where you can give your pay to a nonprofit. They pay you for coming. You can give it to a nonprofit. And they're explaining it to us. And as he's explaining it, he says, now grab this sheet and start reading it. And he says, okay, so for being here today, you get paid $6. And no, that's not a mistake. It's $6. They're playing. They're having fun with this all the way through. The judge did the same thing up to a point. And then, like, there's kind of this change in him. And, and he looks out at all of us, all 182 of us, and he says, I, I know this is hard. I, I know that some of you paid for babysitting for this. And our $6 isn't going to cover it. I I know you had to take time off of work. I know that you had to rearrange your schedule. I know that this could last a long time. and, And you came and did this. But you are doing this for a real reason. This is what makes our country what it is. You're serving something bigger than yourself here. And I want you to understand how much this means, how much it's meant for hundreds of years, how valuable this service is, and go and do your duty. Because once you do it, you get three years off. In fact, most of you here today, they only took 12 of us. I mean, the rest of us were gone. Only 12 people had to serve that day. All the rest of you, you're out for three years. You don't have to do this again. There's an old lady sitting next to me, and she goes, I never have to do it again. Because you don't serve after you're 70. And she was, must have been 68, 69 something. So she's done. I'm like, I'm out of here. But, but I heard it in those judges' words. He was there, I believe, for a real reason. His motives for being there were real. Uh, mine I am your example of a mixed motive. 
and I'm giving this to you for a moment. Let me hold myself up. I chose not to wear a collar. I didn't want that to stand in the way of my service. And yet, I didn't actually want to serve. I thought this was dumb. I just wanted to go home. How often is that what I look like in Christianity? There is some good. I mean, truly, I believe you are all here for the most part because you actually want to be here. You weren't forced here, maybe a few of you, but for the most part, you weren't forced here. You want to be here, and yet there's also this part over here. You and I in Christ can have more pure motives when we will focus in on Christ. When, when the bigness of who he is can become the focal point. When I stop thinking so much about what's going on with me and I see what's going on with him. Um, this, this, I didn't intend to share this, but it happened today on the way to church. I'm, we're, we're heading down Main Street and as usual, I'm, I'm running late because I'm always running late to church. Not, not late, like 10 o'clock late, but I'm supposed to be here earlier than I am. But getting three kids out the door, I'm always running late. And so I'm running late, and I'm, I'm grumpy. And I walk in, and I'm still grumpy. But before I get here, I'm going down Main Street, and I see a car has pulled over, and they're just blocking a lane. And, and it's kind of near a stoplight, and I see two people jump out. And I thought, Chinese fire drill. That's what they're doing. They're like switching, they're going to take off. Well, they get out, and they don't switch. In fact, they just walk behind the car, and I'm like, would you get your car out of the way? Like, I'm in a hurry. i got to keep going here. And then I noticed one of them walks over to the meeting, and I thought, okay, they must have dropped something. They're probably looking for it. They stopped. It fell out the window of something. They're looking for that. But one of them walks over into my lane. And at that point, I'm thinking, this is just stupid. Like, would you people, if you need to get something, go get it. But, like, I could at least drive by. i got to get to church. So I'm slowing down because she's right in the middle of the lane, and I'm staring at her. My daughter goes, "Oh," which I thought was the dumbest remark you could make. <laughs> There's a lady standing in my way in the road that I'd run over, but I'm wearing a collar. It'd be bad. <laughs> and I look down. There are four baby chicks. <sighs> I am such a jerk. <laughs> These ladies are like helping these chicks across the street so nobody can run over them. They can't even get up on the curb by themselves. And I'm like just ready to run these people over because they're in my way. I didn't even notice the chicks. I was so focused on this lady and what she was doing to me. How often is our focus so far away from Christ? So much on us and what we feel and think, and that we just lose sight of it. You want your motives to be more pure? Get your mind more on him. Let that lead you. But number two, one more guy. Verse 25. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my fellow, my brother, my fellow worker, fellow soldier, your messenger, and minister to my need. Do you get the feeling that Paul likes this guy? <laughs> How often do you describe people with five different things? I mean, Paul just is laying it on thick here with this guy. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because he heard that 
uh, because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. And that's not a, a, sh- a shot, by the way. Um, they have given money, they've given all kinds of things, but they're not there. When he says what's lacking, it's not like, you're bad people, how dare you? He had to make up for it. It's he's there to serve Paul, they're not. So it's not a negative thing. Right, Epaphroditus, we know virtually nothing about him um, other than this right here. We know that Paul thought very, very highly of him. We know that he considered him a brother, a fellow worker, a soldier. Right, this guy was serving the Lord, bringing the gospel forward with Paul. He was a messenger for the Philippians. What's so intriguing about him and the way that Paul describes him is he did, in a way, what Christ did back in that hymn. Epaphroditus' commitment was complete. Here's your mission, Epaphroditus. You are to go and to minister to Paul. Let me ask you, have you ever worked so hard at something that you made yourself sick? Have you ever done that? Have you ever just poured yourself in so much, like you were losing sleep, all kinds of things, you ended up being sick? That's the description we're getting of Epaphroditus. That this guy took this mission so seriously that he worked himself to the point of getting sick and almost dying. But as Paul says, he risked his life to do this to complete this mission. I want to ask a question that is not meant to inspire any kind of guilt. So please, if you feel guilty about this, like just try to, that's not what this is about. What is your commitment level to your service of Christ? What's your commitment level? What is it that as you are serving, Where's the point where you're going to stop? Where's the point where you're going to give up? Where's the point where you're going to turn away? What is it for you? When is the physical toll too much? When is the mental toll too much? When are you called to sacrifice too much of yourself in service of him and you just can't do it? You would say, here's my commitment bar and I'm walking along and I'm committed, but that's it. I'm stopping right here. I've got one. Do you have one? This morning, my encouragement again, our commitment has the potential to be greater. In the Lord, even as this guy who would work himself to the point of getting sick and almost dying to complete his mission, that's, that's possible in Christ. That whatever your bar was, it actually can keep going. There is more there in him, in the spirit, in the strength of the Lord. Um, I, I want to say something else about what happened this week. 
It was on like every local radio program. It was on every news channel, uh, just everything going on. And it should have been what happened in downtown Dallas. What was, I guess, intriguing in a way is I listen to a whole lot of sports radio and I watch ESPN and there's all this sports stuff. All of the sports people were focused on it too. All the local sports people. Like sports were just kind of out the window. Um, if, you, if you saw Dale Hansen, um, he just, like, he basically gave up whatever he was going to talk about because the night that the shootings happened, the Rangers got blown out. 10-1, I mean, blown out. And, and, and Dale, as he's giving this update, he's, he like just stops and he just goes, I cannot believe I even know the score. How in the world can I be focused? And he's doing this online, on, on the air, live. How in the world can I even be focused on this when this is going on? This was um, two rangers, um, and I'm just going to read it to you. They, a month previous, um, Joey Gallo and, uh, uh, um, I just forgot his name, Mazzaro, um, Nomar Mazzaro, they had met up with a police officer in downtown Dallas a month before the shootings. They took a picture with this police officer. He was one of the police officers that died. And they put this picture out of the, of the two of them with him. Um, and and it's, it's a sweet picture because you get an idea of how big these guys are. Um, they are literally, where their chin is, is where his head is. And they're standing on either side of him. I mean, they just look like giants. And this is what they wrote. Um, we were walking down the street in downtown Dallas when an officer stopped us. Mazzara and I immediately became nervous. I, I just thought that was cute. Like even, you know, these professional athletes, these millionaires, and like a police officer stops them, they feel the same thing that you and I would feel. Like what did we do wrong is their first thought. But you would think as an athlete or a star, you're for the, you want my autograph? No, they're going, did we mess up? They're thinking. Um, I know who you guys are, he said. Joey Gallo, Nomar Mazzara. Can I get a picture with you guys, please? It was definitely a first for me and Nomar to have a police officer, a true hero, want to meet us. His name is Patrick, one of the officers killed in last night's shootings in Dallas. I'll never forget how kind and down-to-earth he was. We ended up having a 15-minute conversation about sports with him. He's an avid Rangers fan, but more importantly, a great person and a family man. Please keep Patrick and all the officers affected and their families in our prayers today. All across these broadcasts. But the one that got me the most, I don't, I don't listen to the fan all that often. Um, it has a lot of sports, but it also has a whole lot of stuff I don't really want to listen to. It's crude, and I don't want to listen to it. Um, that's what this thing is mostly like. And I just happened to flip on the fan, and they, I mean, the whole show was basically canceled. People were just calling in and they were sharing. They were sharing their hurts, they were sharing what they thought about what was going on, all of these things. And these guys, these manly guys, who typically what they're talking about is inappropriate things about women and all kinds of other stuff, they are crying on air as they're listening to people write in. They're bawling on the air. 
And one guy wrote in, called in, and he said this. And I, I, it's just burned into my mind. He said, I know that there are issues with our police force, and I know that there are issues with people against the police. I know there's issues on both sides. He said, but I want to say this. If you watch one of those videos, when the shots are fired, the crowds just take off running away from it. Except for a few. The police. They turn and they go right toward the shots. They go right into the line of fire. He said, they did that for us at the expense of their own lives. And at the time, they didn't know, literally, at the expense of some of their lives. That is the commitment that all of us are capable of. Giving our lives, giving up who we are to serve people, to serve the Lord. And literally, we see people doing it. It's real. This is not just a make-believe thing. They went toward the shots. I'm not asking you this morning to, to go toward the shots. I'm encouraging you that you and I, in our commitment to Christ, we can go further. And I don't mean that as like you're not doing enough. This is, I'm not attacking anybody here. This is meant to be an encouragement. You and I can go further in our commitment to Christ. We can symbolically go toward the shots because he empowers us. Because as, as Heather taught last week, he's working in us the will and the desire to serve him when we turn our eyes to him. I, I, don't, I don't know why all these officers went toward the shots other than they believed in what they were doing. Other than they believed these people were worth saving, that this was worth stopping, that, that my life was not as important as my service. I think the same is true for us in Christ. There are two people we see in this passage. They are living out what Paul just encouraged the Philippians to do. Don't look out for just your interests. Look out for others. Have the mind of Christ who emptied himself, who made himself nothing, who became a servant to us all the way to the point of dying on a cross. Total commitment. And he says, these two brothers of mine, they're living that. And he says, you guys, you can live that. In Christ, you can live that more than you ever thought possible. This is what I felt like. Just one more tweet. The stock fireworks were amazing. The live ones, not so much. And it's true. I mean, just seeing that CNN side by side, it's true. The live fireworks, they were a letdown. I mean, it was so cloudy that like, it literally just looked like kind of red shooting up in the air. That was it. The fireworks that they were showing 
were amazing. However, they were real too. They were actual fireworks. If you'd been there in 2015, you would have seen some of those fireworks. It was a compilation of a couple of years according to PBS. But like they were real also. Maybe not at that moment, but they were real. I want to leave you with this. Our lives are going to be cloudy at times. But we do not have to live that way. God has called us to something greater and bigger and says you actually can do it. You can have those moments of clarity, of true beauty and commitment and unselfishness and motivations that are for Christ. That is possible in us because of Christ. Don't let the clouds be the only thing you hold on to because you can't hold on to clouds. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we need you as we prayed earlier. We need the power of your spirit. We need you to come in and to keep forgiving us when we mess up to keep telling us that you love us, to keep reminding us that we have value because we're in you. And Lord, on the other side, to remind us of at times how selfish we are, how much we're turned inward, how much we're so concerned about ourselves that we're not looking at your son. Please, Father, help us to get our eyes more on him, to think more on him, to read more about him, to try to see our lives through him so that we might know the joy of having our motivations more about him and our commitment more fully for him. In his name we pray, amen.